Medical Monday is proudly brought to you with the compliments of Discam. Pharmacists to care. And good morning to you. I'm Kathy Kayla. Thank you so much for joining me here on 101.9 High FM for the Discam Medical Monday. We do this every Monday from uh, 10 until 11. And uh, I really speak to some of the world's top experts in their fields. And uh, we talk about the stuff that is relevant to us, you know, to, to most people actually. And, um, Last week, I was speaking to uh, to my guest, and we were talking about vaccinations and about getting the flu vaccination and how va- how important it is, especially if you are over the age of 60, to go and uh, have this vaccination, or all different vaccinations actually. And um, one of the one of the uh, the viruses, one of the the vaccinations that he mentioned, was the HPV vaccination. Now, uh, I've been following the news, I don't know, perhaps you have too, that the NHS, which is the National Health System in uh, in the UK, have just agreed to vaccinate all boys at the age of 15 for HPV virus. Why is it relevant? Why is it important? Why are boys receiving vaccinations for a virus that causes cervical cancer. So uh, joining me in the studio is uh, Dr. Haley Jacobson. She's a gynecologist and uh, welcome. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for having me on the show, Kathy. <laughs> You're welcome. HPV, um, is it like other viruses? Well, um, HPV, um, which stands for human papillomavirus, is actually a very common virus, and that affects the whole genital anal tract as well, the or- as well as the oropharyngeal area, which is the back of the throat. And it's very commonly spread and affects young women and old women. Okay, so um, what? It, why does it affect those two areas, the back of the throat and the, the genital and the anal area? Is it the same tissue? Is it similar tissue? Why does it affect just those two areas? So there are different types of HPV virus and certain subtypes have certain affinities for different tissues. So for example, HPV 16 and 18 cause 70% of cervical cancers. They also affect the vulva and the vagina. The other 20% are caused by HPV 31, 33, 45, 52 and 58. Um, HPV also affects the, the, the penis and the scrotum, the pronium and the anus. And um, it's HPV 16 and 18 are the major causes of it. It also causes genital warts, which is caused by HPV 6 and 11. Is it contagious? Uh, it is. It spreads by skin-to-skin contact, not necessarily intercourse. That's interesting. Yeah. So how would one get it if it's at the back of the throat? So um, a lot of, you know, babies that are born through the genital tract are predisposed to getting that. And it's these tiny little warts at the back of the throat that grow constantly and need to be treated with laser. Uh, Are babies checked for that when they're born? If if the mom has it, no, um, and, and then they do become symptomatic later on. Interesting. Okay, we're going to talk about symptoms. If you've got any questions about HPV, if you want to know perhaps uh, you want to, you know, get your children vaccinated, we're going to talk about what ages uh, you can be vaccinated, where it's going to actually have an impact on your health. And uh, 
get in touch with me. I'd love to hear from you. And how do you do that? Well, you can send me a text on 34519. You can send through your questions for Dr. Jacobson. You can also send me a telegram if you have the telegram app. And that number is 061 We'll be right back. Medical Monday is proudly brought to you with the compliments of Discam, pharmacists who care. Thank you so much for joining me. My name is Kathy Kayla, and uh, I will be here for the next hour here on 101.9 High FM. I'm speaking to Dr. Haley Jacobs, and we're talking about HPV. HPV is the human papilloma virus. It is a virus which causes um, cervical cancer. Is it cer- cervical or cervical? Cervical. Cervical. Okay. So, uh, but... And yet, the NHS, which is the national health uh, healthcare system in the United Kingdom, have just agreed to uh, vaccinate all boys at the age of fifteen. Why? Why boys? They don't. They don't have cervixes. So, um, you know, uh, HPV also causes penile cancer, scrotum, perianal, and anal cancer, and these are HPV sixteen and eighteen strands that can cause that. And um, younger people are higher risk, so it would be best to vaccinate them when they are younger to prevent them from getting these types of okay, cancers. Because, and it's just because of their risk profile. Yes, because of their okay. risk profile. Okay. Um, I asked you just before we we uh, heard from our sponsors. Is it contagious like other like other viruses? Um, so it does spread very easily, and it can spread from skin to skin. Um, as I said, not nece- necessarily through intercourse, um, but uh, yeah, it is something that does spread easily. Let's talk about the symptoms. What are the symptoms of HPV that somebody has HPV? Somebody listening right now who might be in their 30s, might be in their 20s, um, might be in their 40s or 50s or 60s, male or female, what are the, or let's deal with one, uh, one gender at a time. Um, what are the symptoms in a female? So, um, most, you know, most people have HPV sometime during their life. Either they're able to clear it, or it comes, or it becomes latent and then re, and then reactivates later on in life. So most people don't actually have symptoms of it, but when when it does become active and they do have the symptoms, um, it can cause abnormal uh, bleeding, abnormal genital bleeding. It can cause warts throughout the body, being anal genital warts or warts on on the hands and on different types of the body, on different parts of the body. Okay. Is there itch? Is there rash? Is there any other indication other than warts? There's, yeah, there, there's, there's no itchiness, there's no rash. It's generally the warts caused by HPV 6 and 11, or it's the abnormal vaginal bleeding, okay. which is suggestive of uh, cervical cancer or precancerous lesion. What do you mean by abnormal? Is that heavy? Is that... It can be heavy, it can be regular bleeding, um, it could be spotting in between one's periods. Gosh. So how do you know if it's something that needs to be checked out? So um, it is recommended that every woman has pap smears. And that's, that's how it picks up? Yeah. Does so a pap, pap smear specifically check for cancer or does it specifically check for HPV? So pap smear checks for any abnormal cells, and these abnormal cells are caused by the HPV virus. So from the age of 21 to the age of 65, it is recommended that women have pap smears. From the age of 30, women can also have pap smears and uh, be checked for HPV. 
Do you have any statistical information on HPV? How many people are affected? So um, it's something that's very common worldwide. And, and as I said, most people throughout their lifetime get affected by HPV. Um, we know that um, one in 40 women get cervical cancer. And um, one in eight in South Africa die from cervical cancer. Sure. Yeah. What are the symptoms of cervical cancer? Or can you only pick it up through a pap smear? Um, so and, and these symptoms that you that you mentioned earlier. Yeah, so one can contract HPV at um, a young age, and then only about 10 years later can the symptoms actually come out with cervical cancer. Yeah. So there could be a long latent phase. And um, one can present with abnormal bleeding, um, but a spotting, but of irregular bleeding. Um, there could be abdominal cramps as well and, and some pelvic pain. But usually that, you know, the bleeding is, is usually the only symptom. Is the only... Um so HPV causes cancer. Yes. Does it cause anything else? So it also causes it warts. Cause warts. Yeah. It doesn't cause like thickening of the of the lining of of the uterus. It does. It, it only affects the cervix. It affects the cervix and the vagina and the vulva, and it can cause vaginal cancer and vulva cancer as well. And what are the symptoms of those? So it would be skin lesions. Could be a little bit of a discharge, bit of vulva pain. Anything with pain, you should definitely get checked out. But the problem is that some cancers are not painful at all. Yeah, and cervical cancer in, in, the, in the initial stages is not, not uh, painful. So you need to go and have a pap smear. Yeah. All right, let's talk about symptoms in men. Uh, what are the symptoms in men? So um, there can be warts um, of the scrotum, um, of the penis, the perineum. That's the it. I'm never area. touching another person with warts. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, okay. And that's, that's caused by genital HPV warts. Six, genital warts caused by HPV 6 and 11, um, where 16 and 18 causes the cancer. Yeah. So, yeah, it can, it can also cause anal cancer. We don't do routine screening for anal cancer, but HPV 16 and 18 are implicated in 90% of anal cancer. How would you recognize anal cancer? So it, there would be lesions forming and it would be painful and bleeds from the area. You know, um, how do you know the difference between genital warts and warts associated with HPV? So all warts, surely they're different. Yeah. I mean, when yeah, I was doing right. research yeah. on, on um, you know, an upcoming, an upcoming uh, Disc Game Medical Monday topic, um, I was researching STDs. And one of the... One of the STDs is genital warts, but that wasn't mentioned anything in relation to HPV, which is interesting. Yeah, so so all warts are actually caused by HPV, but there's different types of strands. Um, one can get certain HPV warts from working with meat and, and and chicken and fish on their hands. Other people get planter warts. Um, What's a planter wart? So so those are warts um, on, on on the feet. Um, other people get these very flat warts on the skin. So it's all HPV-related, wow. but it's certain strains that so, have an affinity for certain areas of the body. And um, But the, the warts aren't cancerous. Okay, so it's almost like a, a fever blister on, on, the, on the lip is actually what's it called? Herpes. Yes. It, it's, but it's just a different strain. The one is genital herpes and the other is herpes... You know, yeah, of the mouth. Yeah, you get two types of herpes: herpes simplex virus one and two, 
and okay. um, and herpes simplex virus can cause all types of symptoms. You know, from from bladder pain causing urethritis to a meningitis to fever blisters Very to genital ulcers. Very interesting. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, and uh, when we come back. We're going to continue talking about HPV and other viruses that lurk in our bodies. Medical Monday is proudly brought to you with the compliments of Discam, pharmacists who care. My name's Kathy Kayla. My guest is Dr. Haley Jacobson. We're talking, she's a gynecologist, and we're talking about HPV, which is human papilloma virus. It is... Uh, yeah, if you've just tuned in, let me give you a quick summary. It is something that everybody has. We all have it latent in our body. And, uh, yeah, it, it causes, in women, it can cause cervical cancer. In men, it can cause penile and anal, anal cancer. And I suppose the big question is, can you prevent it? Can it be prevented? Actually, no. Can it be cured? Let's, let, let me find out about that first. Can it be cured? So, unfortunately, um, we can't cure HPV. Um, Gosh, you're just all good news this morning. <laughs> so, yeah, sorry about that, Kathy. <laughs> but we, we can certainly prevent it. So, um, there are ways to prevent it, and that's um, safer sex practices and using condoms and having regular checkups and pap smears, which would catch the problem early, um, as well as you know speaking to the doctor about HPV and vaccinating at an early age. Okay, what ages should should uh, you know should we vaccinate our kids for HPV? So um, the government has rolled out a vaccination program from the age of eleven. So okay. between the age of eleven and twenty six, it is recommended that um, kids get vaccinated. Um, so before the age of and that's 15, male and female. Yes, male and female. Before the age of 15, um, one would need two vaccinations. After the age of 15, one needs three vaccinations. Okay, so essentially when you need two or three, you, it's your vaccination and your booster. Yes. So over after the age of 15, it would be your vaccination and your two boosters. Yeah, so... Is that, is that what it yeah, is? Yeah, that's right. So it would be a vaccination and then one two months later and then one at six months. Okay. All right. And um, is this something that your GP would check or do you need to make an appointment with a specialist like a gynecologist or a urologist or, you know, whoever's going to check out? So so um, a GP can, you know, certainly give information about HPV and promote the vaccination. Um, would you be able to recognize it? Um, so, you know, uh, lots of GPs do pap smears and, um, you know, if there's any abnormal cells on the pap smear, it could be caused by HPV and one can then further go on and test if there is HPV present or alternatively repeat the pap smear a year later. Can HPV cause infertility? No. Does it have any bearing on infertility? Well, you know... Unless, you know, unfortunately, if, if one has cervical cancer at a very young age, it might affect one actually falling pregnant, depending on the stage of the cervical cancer. It's just it's so disconcerting that it's painless, that in the early stages, you know, there are no symptoms. There are no symptoms. And the only That's thing right. to do is have a pap smear. Yes. And check for, uh, you know, and check for those irregular cells. Um, an unsigned SMS here wants to know, can fibroids 
cause cancer? That's a great question. Yeah, thank oh, that, you so that, much. Thank you. That is a very good question. So, so um, fibroids are 99.9% benign. What are fibroids? So these are growths of abnormal tissue within the uterus. So they can be within the uterine wall. They can be within the cavity. And they can be pedunculated on stalks from the um, outside of the uterine wall. Depending on where they are, they cause certain symptoms. If they're within the cavity, they they increase the surface area of the cavity, so they cause more bleeding, so one would have heavy menstrual bleeding, and they cause more pain because there's more prostaglandin synthesis release. What if, is that? So um, so that actually causes the period pain. It causes the spasm of the vessels when one has a period. If they are within the wall of the uterus, they might cause problems, they might not, depending on the size and how many. If they are pushing onto the bladder, they might cause some urinary frequency where one wants to go to the toilet frequently, or they might cause constipation if they are on the back of the uterus. Um, if, if they are very small within the cavity, they usually don't cause problems and we just watch them. So are, are there anything to be concerned about? If you've got fibroids, I mean, should you be worried um, so, as a woman? So, so depending on, on the place of them, if they're within the cavity, they can cause miscarriages because they do change the blood flow within the cavity and they do release certain substances which, which might, might cause a miscarriage. So those are very important to have treated. If they are within the wall of the cavity and there's very few and they're not big in size, then one can just have them monitored. But they might, they might be big in size and they might cause stretching of the cavity and then cause the heavy menstrual bleeding. Are fibroids in any way age related? Um, so they, they, they are hormone dependent. There are a lot of theories on what causes them. But we find that they increase in size in pregnancy and in young women. And then when one goes into menopause, they decrease in size. So the concern is if one has fibroids and they're in menopause and they're getting bigger, then it might be a sarcoma. And then you need to get And then we need to get that sorted out. So the pap, getting back to the pap smear, would a pap smear pick up? the abnormal cells of fibroids? No, no. So the pap smear is just a scraping on the mouth of the womb being the cervix. So it won't tell us what's happening in the uterus. Ah, okay. All right. This is important information. Okay. So fibroids, um, what do you do about fibroids? So, um, you know, depending on where they are, for example, if they're in the cavity, and one wants to fall pregnant and they're causing some bleeding problems and we worry about the risk of miscarriages, yeah. we can have them resected. Um, what does that mean? So, so it, it, it would, one would put a camera through the cervix and we would then put a long instrument in and we would just pull the fibroid out or cut the fibroid off. Oh. Or do a little scraping inside to remove it. Okay. If if they are within the wall of the uterus and there's more than three and they're quite big and they're stretching the cavity, then we can do an operation where we resect the fibroid and it comes off, it comes out like a shell. We shell it out. So we make a small incision over the uterus and then we shell out that fibroid and then close up the incision on the uterus. Wow. 
That's so interesting. I mean, when you look at all the things that med- that medicine can do today. Yeah, there's also non-invasive treatment for it. Yeah. There's something called high-intensity focus ultrasound. And this is um, special ultrasound frequency that thermally ablates the fibroids. So it sees the fibroid in a, a 3D image and targets that fibroid and burns it. And um, one uh, wouldn't need a skin incision. Uh, there's no incision on the uterus, so one can still have a normal delivery after that and not worry about the uterus rupturing. Um, so with time, after about a week, it forms a scar. And as that scar tries to heal, it starts shrinking. So the fibroid starts shrinking with time, and that's a non-invasive approach. The other approach is uterine artery embolization. When one injects... Um, They're like little beads. Yes, little beads. Right? Yeah. I, remember, I remember speaking to yeah. somebody about this. Yes. Into the blood supply that supplies the uterus. And um, with time, the uterus gets smaller in size. But the problem is the blood supply of the ovaries is also supplied by the blood supply to the uterus. So it might affect the ovarian function. So it's usually preserved for women um, older in age or out of childbearing age. Oh, so this is a different embolization that I was speaking about, it, uh, um, speaking to this doctor about. I can't remember his name. But uh, what they do is they actually do it in a cath lab and they put this very, very fine, uh, you know, tube yes, up. Yes, yes, a And they go, they go to the root of every individual fibroid and they fill it with these little beads these minuscule beads and what that does is it blocks off the blood supply to the fibroids but not to the uterus and uh, as a result the fibroids die which is actually it's it sounds terrible but it you know clearly it seems to have offered a lot of women a lot of relief yes as well and that's uh that's a nice option for younger women as well all right uh We're going to take a quick break and we're going to be right back. Medical Monday is proudly brought to you with the compliments of Discam, pharmacists who care. Thank you so much for joining me. My name is Kathy Kayla and uh, my guest is Dr. Haley Jacobson. She's a gynecologist. We started off talking about HPV virus or HPV, which is the human papilloma virus. And uh, (laughs) there's, there's a whole another area we've been talking about uh, fibroids if you've got fibroids if you've got any questions you're welcome to send them through on 34519 you know how have you treated your fibroids I mean, do you just live from uh, you know from period to period and uh, with painkillers and whatever it is so uh, you know share those stories if you will 34519, that's the text line. You can also, if you have a Telegram app, you can Telegram me on 061-895-1019. You've mentioned since we, you know, right through the morning, you keep referring to pap smear, pap smear, pap smear. How often should women be having pap smears? Okay, so um, we start doing pap smears from the age of 21, mm-hmm. all up until the age of 65, um, from the age of 30, we can add in HPV testing. So we can do a pap smear and HPV testing, or we can have a reflex HPV testing where the pap smear comes back as normal, and then it goes on for further testing to check for HPV. So um, if one has had three consecutive pap smears which are normal, then one can um, then uh, reduce the frequency of pap smears to once every two to three years. Okay. Um, if a pap smear comes back abnormal, what does that mean? So um, there are different grades of abnormality. 
So um, there can be an early stage of abnormality, like a low-grade change, and then there can become a dysplasia, which is a high-grade change. And then from there, with time, if one didn't intervene, it would become a cervical cancer. Okay, so talk me through those yeah. low-grade changes, yeah. high-grade changes. What, do, what does that mean? So what what one, is a low-grade change? Yeah. And give us an example. So if one has a low-grade change of the cells where there, where there are some early abnormalities um, and it's the first pap smear, we would suggest that she repeats in 6 to 12 months to give her ch- uh, uh, give herself a chance to clear the HPV infection. But if it persists, then we would... We would then biopsy the area. If it comes back as low grade, we would then treat and um, burn off those abnormal cells. Okay, so those are just few abnormal cells. Yeah. Okay. Then if it's if it's a high grade, one really needs to intervene and treat that. Okay. What so, does high grade mean? What does it look like? So um, it's got more of a it's, it's got a dysplasia. So there's more abnormalities to those cells and this is what a pathologist would see when when they look at the cells under the microscope um, and with that um, if a woman's out of the childbearing age she would then have the option of removing the cervix and the way we remove it is with a hysterectomy or alternatively if she's much younger we would then cut out that abnormal area how do you know if it's cancer what are the what are the different cancers that women get you know, of, our, yeah. of our internal organs, and are there any symptoms? I don't like anything where there aren't symptoms. We need to have symptoms so that we can all quickly run off to our gynecologist. <laughs> so, um, women can get uterine cancer or endometrial cancer, and that you know presents bleeding or abnormal vaginal discharge. Um, so, um, if a woman's in in menopause. And she suddenly starts bleeding. That is very concerning. There are many causes that can cause the bleeding, but one always has to ex- exclude endometrial cancer. What is endometrial cancer? So this is thickening of the endometrial cells, which is the lining of the cavity. And there's also abnormality of the cells. Of the uterus. Um, of, of, of the uterus of, cells. Of, yeah, inside, inside the uterus of the cavity. Okay. And then there's also um, uterine cancers, for example, sarcomas within the uterus and different types of uterine cancers. Are those very rare or those more common? Um, They are less common than cervical cancer, but they can present with uh, a growing abdominal mass and um, and then uh, vaginal bleeding, postmenopausal vaginal bleeding or, or an abnormal vaginal discharge. How do you know if you're in menopause? So, um, you know, menopause, the average age of menopause is between 48 to 52. So, some go into menopause earlier, from about 45, and that's premature. So the usual symptoms are hot flashes, which can happen during the day or night. There could be some mood changes and a bit of irritability, and there's vaginal dryness. But not everyone gets all these symptoms. Some women don't have any problems going through the menopausal stage. And some women get very severe hot flushes and mood changes. Unsigned SMS. Thank you so much. I wish you'd sign your name. Um, asking, uh, can the doctor tell us, is when you start your period related to when you start menopause? Uh, no, it's, it's not, not, not related. For example, if you 
if you have an early monarchy, meaning you start your period at an early age, it doesn't mean that you're going to, going to menopause at an early age. So it's not necessarily related. Okay. All right. Not necessarily. Yeah. Okay. All right. And um, I did want to ask you about the other, can- the other cancers of which uh, yeah, you know, so, symptoms. Yeah, so women can also get ovarian cancer. And um, the symptoms are very nonspecific, and that's why it's detected at a very late stage. So the symptoms could be um, uh, urinary frequency, constipation, or running tummy. Uh, running tummy. Um, it could be an increase in um, weight around okay, the abdomen. Okay, hold on. Let's, let's just go back. Yeah. Uh, urinary frequency. How, how frequent? So um, it's more frequent than than one expects. So um, if if you know they're always running to the toilet um, and they don't have a bladder infection, it could be because there's a growing mass pushing on their bladder and it's causing that feeling of urge all the time, ah. like they they need to go to the toilet. So will they be able to go to the toilet when, every time they go? Yes, you know. yes, yes, they will. Yeah, their, their bladder has a smaller capacity because there's a mass pressing on the bladder. Okay. Um, yeah, okay, I can so also you said, cause that you said also um, diarrhea, yes, constipation. Yes, that's right, which is very nonspecific symptoms. So would they, would they alternate, would they fluctuate, can, or would somebody have constipation all the time? So or both would apply. Yeah, both would apply. Yeah. And there could be loss of weight. They could eat very little and feel very satisfied after that as well and, and not have their usual type of appetite. Okay. All right. So those are the symptoms for ovarian cancer. Yes. How often should women be uh, going to the gynae? So every year women should come for an annual gynae examination. Not necessarily just for a pap smear, but for an overall examination. Yeah. Okay. And I think that's that's about it. Dr. Haley Jacobson, thank you very, very much thank you very for joining much. me this morning. And I uh, just wish you all the best. And thank you very much for thank joining you, me this morning. If you've missed any part of this, you can, uh, you'll be able to get it on, um, on podcast from our website, www.highfm.com. God bless everybody. See you at the same time, same place next week. Bye.